The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. It's a major league treat. I can't believe this. Boy, when I go out and speak, I wish I had crowds this big and this enthusiastic. We're on the Adventure of the Seas, the Good News Cruise. And... Uh, <clears throat> Are you people now? This is this is you digest your food from breakfast, one hour here digestion, and then you go back to eating again. This is good. You go on a cruise. I noticed something. The boat is sitting a little lower in the water. I don't know if you noticed that. They went into the dock and they normally they unload what level two. They were unloading on level six. I don't know. What do you think about that, Steve? I just know that I feel medium rare. After four days <laughs> out in sunshine, this, a little red all over and this pink in man, the center. This man, Steve Clark, makes all this work, all of it. Without him, too kind, there would be no show here, and many of you would appreciate that. But <laughs> he makes it work. Every time i got a problem, I call Steve. I ask Andrew. He handles the easy stuff. But then when it gets complex, Steve, you take over and you make it work. Thank you. How many hours last time when we were on the ship? Did you work to get this set up because you ran into all kinds of trouble? Uh, usually it's the first 12 hours or so, but then after that we got, you know, it, it, it's run smooth sailing, and Abdul over here is making sure things work just He's good man on the sound. Thank He's doing you, sir. a good job. Appreciate that. Okay, we've got in front of me just a boatload. I like to speak, you know, I like to speak, I like to speak nautical. Boatload of questions, and I would love to get to all of these, uh, except... I, what I did is I stuck them in piles. Um, I, the one pile says psychiatrist. Other pile says frontal lobotomy. Other pile says uh, move. Just, you know, then I took the easy ones. But we also want to take some calls. So 877-573-7825 is the number to call if you'd like to get onto the program. This program here, by the way, Steve, you didn't know this. I didn't. This is high-definition radio. Yeah, high definition Eschew obfuscation, palaver pellucivity. That's about as high a definition you're going to get. Vicissitude, excoriate, pulchritudinous. It's all kinds of high definition. That is, that yeah, is fantastic. You, These are words that I'm not familiar with, and that's why I went into broadcasting school. Pardon my gasconade. I'll get the thesaurus out. <clears throat> By the way, I don't know if you guys heard the research on men and women being different. There's, there's a whole bunch of technical stuff, and you read it, and they talk about the differences in brains, and you can't really understand exactly what it is about the men and women's brains that are so different because it's so technical. I'm going to dumb it down. For who? The big difference between men and women 
you could have an orthopedic surgeon, MIT nuclear particle physicist. You could have anybody with education and talent, male. Men love the Three Stooges. <laughs> Women look at the Three Stooges and reflexively react. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's just stupid. That's, that's not even funny. One of the great conflicts that my wife and I had, this was in marriage. You know, you guys talk about all your conflicts in marriage. We had a big one. This lasted about nine years. I wanted to be able to watch the Three Stooges with my boys years sooner then she wanted to let them watch the Three Stooges. And I remember the first time it happened. Uh, they were 19. <laughs> we had a party. Had a party. Got everything together. Went out. Watched the Three Stooges. And we just watched. We binged on the Three Stooges. And then my son blew it. His mother said, Andrew, you need to make your bed. And he went, okay, toots. That shot it down right there. I mean, you guys know this, right? You can't see this at home, but right? Th this is the classic. Just like this. Three Stooges. I got this up. <clears throat> if you, Teresa, Tomio, and Jesus were on a boat, and if it was starting to sink, who would do the miracle to keep it afloat? Well, obviously, Jesus would do the miracle... Teresa would whine about her shoes getting wet. And I'd just sink to the bottom and run like mad. Pretty much what I would do. Also, by the way, um, we got a, a million questions. Steve, we got anybody coming in? Not yet? Okay, soft break 110-ish. Right. What made you choose your career path? There's a lesson here. I think about what God does and he twists things like you'd never expect it. I went to Case Tech in engineering. And the only reason I went to Case Tech is because the advisors in high school, they look at your math scores. Oh, you should be an engineer. And I thought, well, oh, that's cool. I like living in those little cabooses. That's really nice with the little, with the little lantern out the back. I said, uh, and I asked. I said, well, do those trains really go that fast up close? So I had my first year of engineering. I was sailing along pretty good. A little more nautical lingo, huh there, Steve? That's right. I'm working on the nautical NAU and the nautical KNOT. I'm working on the differences on that. Okay. By the way, if at any point in this broadcast you hear me start to say things like, well, I think we better clear the ball. <laughs> know that. It's time to move. So I was in physics, physics 2, and I got a 31. I got a 31 on the midterm. Now, those of you who are not brilliant in mathematics, you still could understand that you can't recover from a 31. You, you, you'd have to get basically 150 on your test. So I figured I'm out of engineering. I called home, told my mom, Mom, I think engineering's not for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought the major disappointment, right? Look at this. What am I, I going to do? God, uh, God apparently, maybe, although I'm not a guy that thinks God pulls the strings all the time. I think a lot of times I'm the one who pulls the strings for good or evil. And I said, what do I do now? So I went into psychology. And I minored in philosophy. Philosophy is one of those majors that will screw you up 
for the rest of your life. <laughs> Instead of looking at the professor and saying, there's a person up there standing at the board talking to us. You think things like, am I in a parallel multiverse? Have I degenerated into solipsism? Can I trust my senses? You remember that question you got in school, if a tree falls in the woods and there's nobody there to hear it, doesn't make a sound? Well, it doesn't, by the way. It does not because it just vibrates air. Right, Steve? Yes. You have to have a receiver, right? Our ears are receiver. There's a modern gender counterpart to that. If a man is in the woman, a man is in the woods, all alone, and there are no women there to hear him speak, if he speaks, is he still wrong? <laughs> so what happened was I was so seriously disappointed and think about that. I went into psychology and I think it's better where I belong. And you people would feel really stupid because you'd be sitting here thinking, why are we sitting here? There's nobody there. The guy we were supposed to listen to is an engineer. He's not even here. This is subtle humor. Did, hey, uh, did you guys set them according to IQ? Like, All righty, what else we got? Do we have, let's, let me give out the number again to get a couple calls coming in. This happened last year when we did this. Because they know I have a tabletop of questions, they, the, the people that listen are very, very mannerly. They don't necessarily call in because they think, well, I'm not going to get in. Yes, you will, because we will go to you. We are grandparents. The grandparents on the other side can give nicer gifts and have more money than we do. The grandchildren see those grandparents that give more as loving them more. How can we counter that? Well, you can't. Okay, so next question. Uh, <laughs> when the kids get older, they're going to see what love is from you and from those other grandparents. Now, if there is a dearth of affection or love coming from the other grandparents, and they make it up materially, the older kids are going to see, well, you know, my grandma, she doesn't, give me everything that I want but boy she's reliable she's pleasant she's fun to be with she's sweet she's a nice lady that'll take over this this is a parallel to the Disney weekend parent the mother who has custody dad gets visitation every weekend or every other weekend and it is Disney World on that weekend and the mothers will say to me how do I compete with that and I say you don't you don't even try to compete with that because, one, you can't. And even if you could, you don't want to because that's not a great way to raise a kid. And I've been at this business long enough to see how a lot of these things turn out. And what generally happens is the kids move closer to the more reliable parent. They come to see who they can count on, who's going to be there when they need them, who is not just going to give them the toys so you got a lot more to give than the material stuff I will say this though um, I have the person who wrote this just gave me initials but you know who you are I would love to have your um, address please because I need to get a hold of those other grandparents <laughs> because I don't give my grandkids that much either but they do need some stuff so if we can get them to help out my my children I want to go to, oh, we've got to take a break. Okay, now we're getting calls coming in. All righty. 
877-573-7825 is the number. You folks have heard of The Incredible Shrinking Man, very popular movie, The Incredible Shrinking Man. You're listening to The Incredible Manly Shrink. I'm Dr. Ray. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The devil will always do his best to tempt you into sin until you get to that place where you love sin. That's what he wants. He wants you down there with him. And not because he loves you, he hates you. When you do what the enemy tempts you to do, he does it out of pure hatred. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these Beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, we will be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. The following program is brought to you in part by MyCatholicWill.com. Surveys show that more than half of Americans do not have a will. At MyCatholicWill.com, it takes as little as 15 minutes to write your will and secure a legacy of faith. MyCatholicWill.com is the exclusive online destination for creating a Catholic will. The process of writing a will is simple and now more accessible than ever. MyCatholicWill.com, a legacy of faith for those you love. Very nice to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy. Program Doctor is in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Co-production of A Maria Radio Communications and the EWTN Global Broadcasting Network. My listening audience has now surpassed the 200 people mark. Yeah, 200 people listen around the world. Not the same 200. Okay, so... I want to just add to something. Steve, you, you asked the question. Remember we had the grandparents, the dueling grandparents? I'll give you more materially and we can't afford it. I was going to tell the parents, the grandparents who couldn't afford it, you, you can take out a, a home equity loan. You can do that. <laughs> what are your grandkids worth? So you had a follow-up on that, Steve. I'm wondering, as the children start to grow up and realize that maybe potentially as an ignorant youth they were more favorable to one side or the other, that when they grow up they might realize that and start to appreciate the other set of grandparents who did what they could and maybe somewhat out of guilt or somewhat out of love, of course, that they make an extra effort to bond with those other grandparents. It takes maturity to do that. Here's another trajectory. You can never materially satisfy someone indefinitely. Parents will say to me all the time, we give him 98% of what he wants. You'd think that he'd be able to deal with the other 2% he doesn't get. I said, it's the exact opposite. 
the more you get, the less you can deal with when you don't get. And as these kids get older, getting flush with cash or materialism and perks by the grandparents, they're probably going to get a little more demanding of those grandparents. And sometimes, even grandparents have their limit. And there could be some resentment build up because all I've been giving you, all I've entertained you, and you're still not happy. Seen that happen a lot. So let's take the question from Danielle from Ontario, Canada. Hi, Danielle. Uh, hi, Dr. Ray. Thanks for, hi, taking, my call. Thanks for taking my call. I didn't. Uh, Andrew did. I, okay. I saw Thank your you call there, Danielle, and I thought, uh, I'm not going to take it, but Andrew will. No, you're delighted. It's Thanks, because Danielle. I'm Canadian. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Um, Do they allow Catholics up there? <laughs> Notice she already apologized. She already apologized? She already apologized. She said She's she was Canadian. sorry. Yeah. Canadians apologize. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my question is just kind of a general one related to the, the situation you were just talking about with the grandparents. But um, just in general, how does one know where and when to set a boundary when it comes to helping others materially? Um, it feels, you know, sometimes like the situation never ends and I start to notice some feelings of resentment, but at the same time, I know in our faith, you know, we're called to give and if we, we have it to give, then we should give it, uh, joyfully. So I'm, I'm just wondering if you could give me any direction on that kind of situation. You're referring to when our Lord said, if anyone asks of you, give, if you have two coats, Give them one, right? Still there, Danielle? Did I'm we lose still Danielle here. already? Oh, there you are. You're referring basically to our Lord saying that, correct? Right, yes. Right. Okay. Yes. See, it's one of those tricky verses. I think if you look at the rest of Scripture, and just maybe coming from a perspective of a shrink, there are those people that you will hurt by giving them more. And you said something. You said, I'm starting to build up resentment. Now, the only time you're going to build up resentment is if somebody continues to ask you. You got somebody in your life doing that? There are uh, some people like that, and uh, I worry about enabling them by continuing. But then at the same time, I worry that they're without the basic necessities. There are plenty of ways to get the basic necessities in our cultures, especially Canada, many, many ways. If you look at what they're doing with your largesse and you say they're not using it well, they're not using it for their basics, they've defined their basics as a 62-inch color TV or four packs of cigarettes a day or playing the lotto, you have to assess that, and you're not, this is my opinion, obviously, but I think most theologians would agree with this, you are not being a deficient Christian by saying, okay, no more. I have a couple of sons who misused my financial support. They don't get any more from me at all. At all. Now, obviously, if they're going to be in the gutter somewhere, I'm not going to say, too bad, so sad. But it's not like that. They are capable of living their lives. So if they would come to me and say, hey, Dad, come on, I need $200. I, uh, I, I need it for uh, to pay this or that. No, it's not going to happen. Not because I'm a hard 
nut, it's because I, I don't want to hurt him. And by the way, both of them are doing very, very well now. So, Danielle, I think the agony that you're feeling is misplaced. Our Lord does not expect us to give to whomever, whatever the context, whatever they use it for, however they misuse it, because you're hurting them. I think you have every charitable right to say, um, no, I, I, think, I think we've done what we can to help you. Uh, it's best now that you, that you figure out how to do this. There's, there's a lot of ways to figure it out. Otherwise, Danielle, okay, can you, ask, can you put an estimate on how much you've given money-wise? Just a ballpark? Uh, no, it's myself and my family. Um, so it's, I don't know. And it's sporadic. And there's a couple of Several thousand? <laughs> yeah, that would cut it, yeah. So I think it is only fair, since you've come to me, and I've given you this suggestion, I've probably saved you over the next several years several thousand dollars. I think it would be appropriate for you to send a little bit of that my way. Um, and I can guarantee I will use it well. There's, there's no question. So at least 10% of what you would have given. Danielle, you have no reason to feel unchristian by not meeting every demand. Remember when our Lord said this, poverty was huge in his area. Two-thirds of the people worried about food every day. So when our Lord was giving this advice, it was right in that context of enormous poverty and day-to-day trying to make it. I got a feeling that these people who keep coming to you for money aren't exactly hurting for food or anything else. They may have a standard of living that they'd like, that they don't have, because they need a little more money, and your family will help that out. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for the call, dear. This is, a, this is what I call a dirty communication trick. Watch this. Daughter said negative things about her husband to us. All right, now, this is bad, this is bad. When you're hurting and you go to somebody else for support and you want empathy and you just trash that other person. Now, I'm a shrink, okay? And I've been at this long enough to know that no matter how badly somebody describes somebody else, much of the time they're not that bad. It's coming through the perception. So the daughter went to her parents and said, let me tell you what I'm married to. We were concerned and wrote a letter to our daughter about what she said. In other words, maybe you shouldn't have said this, shouldn't have told us, we're not living in your house. The husband thinks, now it thinks, it's a present verb, so it's happening, thinks we said those negative things. Now, I don't know how we got that impression. The daughter did not say she said those things. She let us take the fall. Oh, see that? Oh, I was caught. I didn't think after I trashed my husband that you were going to write him and say I said those things. Well, I'm not going to claim those. Obviously, Mom, you did it. You can try one more time to go to your son-in-law and say, I think there's a lot of miscommunication here. We didn't say a lot of that stuff. You don't have to say your wife did. That would be bad. You know, that's not us. It was your wife who trashed you. But if you can dodge it one more time, and after that, don't battle it. Because what you'll do is you'll probably create a rift with your daughter, too. I had, 
I'll give you a classic example of this. I had a friend. I was best man in his wedding. He said, Ray, I want you to roast the wedding party. I said, Bill, I can't do that. No, no, no. Oh, oh, my wife would love it. I want you to roast the wedding party. We'll all get the biggest kick out of it. I said, are you sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I did. She told everybody I ruined her wedding. I totally insulted everybody. And he said to her, I tried to stop him. Yep. What are the three major sins against the first commandment? The Catholic Catechism lists them as tempting God, sacrilege, and simony. How can we tempt God? By putting his goodness and almighty power to the test. By word or deed, as Satan dared to do when he commanded Jesus throw himself down from the temple. He was trying to force God to act. Jesus rebuked the devil with God's word, You shall not put the Lord thy God to the test. The sin of sacrilege, profane sacraments, and other liturgical actions, as well as persons, things, or places consecrated to God. It is particularly grave when committed against the Eucharistic Jesus. Simony is the sin of buying and selling of spiritual things. It's named after Simon the magician, who attempted to purchase spiritual power from St. Peter. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. There was a big story about this Catholic college saying, oh, we are going to open our doors to anyone who identifies as a woman. So a male student coming in, but if he calls himself a woman, that's fine. This is all about diversity and equality. This is a Catholic women's college. And so, thanks be to God, there was a lot of pushback. And guess what? The school rescinded. How important it is not to give up and to remember that we can and should respectfully, always with love, express our concerns. It doesn't matter. The victory is up to God. But sometimes we do see that success in the victories, as is the case with St. Mary's College, who says now it needs to go back to its roots and get a deeper understanding of what it means to be a Catholic college for women. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Doesn't that sound like the sitcom right after Leave It the Beaver? Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In, Dr. Rigorendi. You've heard of the classic sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond. This is Catholic media's counterpart, Some People Sort of Tolerate Raymond. So good to have you with me. Um, let's go to Bill. Uh, Bill is a pa. No, no, I'm sorry. Bill's from P- Pennsylvania. That's what it says there, pa. Hi, Bill. How are you? Yeah. Good. How about you, doctor? Good. How about you, doctor? Well, appreciate the call, sir. Okay. Um, I just you know, had a, 
a question. Um, you know, when I'm at work, um, I'm, you know, gung-ho 100%, you know, in, in, you know, do my work and do it to the best of my ability. But when, you know, I, uh, you know, when I get home sometimes, it's like I find my get up and go, got up and went, so to speak. And, you know, like there are things that I could be doing that I leave undone. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I get, uh, you know, I guess it you know, makes me, you know, feel uh, slothful at times. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, I guess uh, get your take on, you know, maybe what I could do to, um, uh, you know, keep my get up and go from getting up and going, so to speak, if you know what I mean. I can personally relate to you, Bill. Um, I often have to tell my wife, if you want me to do something, please just tell me. You don't need to re-remind me every six months. Okay. <laughs> uh, are you married, Bill? Yes, I am. Okay. So what you're saying is you love your boss more than you love your wife. Is that is that? Can I can I make that conclusion? No, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I think there's several reasons. I don't I don't think it's a matter of motivation, Bill. I think it's a matter of priorities. First of all, what would happen if you did a slovenly job at work? There would be repercussions, correct? Correct. Okay. When you do a slovenly job at home, what are the repercussions? Well, um, I think you know. Basically, it's you know, you know, you know stuff. You know, just you know, doesn't you know, get done or um, you know, piles up or what you know, whatever. And then sometimes you know, like, you know, sometimes um, my wife will say something about it, but you know, um, but, you know, she's she is a uh, patient woman. Let me put it. You know, we'll, we'll say that. So, words. The repercussions are minimal. Yeah, I should have gotten to that four months ago. Your wife may make a comment or two here and there, but it doesn't cause severe marital friction. Right. First thing. Now, my brother and I have lifted weights for close to 50 years. And I can now count on one hand the last 10 years that I've actually wanted to go lift weights. We just go. What you're doing is you're thinking about what you have to do. Do not think about it. Put one foot in front of the other. Go downstairs and get the paint can and a roller and a trim brush and go up there and just start. There's a simple law of psychology. If you engage in an internal debate over whether you should do something that you know would be a good thing to do. If it's work or if it's going to a party, you know that your mother would be very happy if you're there, but you don't feel like going there, so you're sitting there and you're internally debating, you will lose. It's called the law of social inertia, which I just made up. <laughs> you will take the path of least resistance. So the least resistance path is to look at what needs to be done around the house and say, yeah, I don't, just don't feel like it.
Now, Steve put a question in front of me. He said, uh, do you have a physical job or a more of a, a thinking type job? Well, it's a physical job. I mean, you know, I mean, there's some thought that goes into, you know, um, doing it, but it's a, you know, basically a physical job. Okay, so that's one. That's one factor. You're tired. Oh, that, that makes sense. Pick a couple of things that you can do that would give you a sense of accomplishment. For example, we got a dog. My daughter lives with us. She's got two dogs. Yappy things, little yappy things, you know. And we have a Rottweiler, and and those dogs are just his chew toy. That's all they really are. So they scrape up the wall. Now I look at that wall, and to paint that wall would take me about 20 minutes. Really don't want to paint that wall, but it takes 20 minutes. Okay, I can do that. You can do those kinds of chores. You're not going to re-roof your house. You're not going to go out and uh, epoxy your garage floor. Well, you could. Pick something you can do small so that you can stand back and say, I did that. Remember, if you debate internally whether you're going to do it, you do not wait until you feel like doing it. You will never do it. Who feels like working around the house when it's easier just to sit on the recliner and eat pizza? So that's my question for you, Bill. And uh, tell your wife to thank me. 877-573-7825. Two minutes? Just two minutes? Women will come into the weight room. And women will ask. One of the dumber things that the women who start out lifting, they say things like this. I don't want to lift because I don't want to get bulky. And we say, you're not going to get bulky. You don't have testosterone. You're not built to get bulky. They say, well, how do you do this? How do you keep coming in? It's so hard. I said, you can't think about it. Just show up. That's what you do. You don't think about it. You go in there because you know at the end of whatever you do, whether it's some cardio, whether it's some lifting, and by the way, women, lifting is very, very, very good for you. Very good. The research is pouring in that any amount of weight training for a woman especially is huge to your health. Huge. When you leave, you'll feel good about what you did. You will have accomplished it. When you walk in, Everything in you says, I don't want to do this. Don't think about it. You think about it, you'll lose. 877-573-7825. Oh, that's the clock I'm supposed to look at. You went like this. Oh, that was Roman numerals, five minutes. Oh. See, you can't get this at home. I held up the peace sign, and I said, hey, I thought it was two minutes. It was Roman numerals, like the Roman soldier went into a bar. Bartender. Give me, give me five drinks. All right, you can't see that at home. All right, 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. We are on the Good News Cruise, and I don't know where we are. Where, where are we, guys? Are we heading to a port or something? Is that it? Sure hope they have food there. Perfect um, day at Coco K. Big day at Coco K. Is that what it is? Yes. All righty. Thank you for joining me here. This is a delight to have an audience for a radio show. It's phenomenal. It's five times the audience I get for my speeches. So this is pretty cool. Give me a call here. We're taking questions from our Good News Cruise folks and from you.
Hello and welcome to this segment of The Crux of the Matter. I'm Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy. Sundays and Holy Days require of the Catholic Christian obligatory Mass attendance. Why is this? Precisely because we love God, not because we fear Him. The Second Vatican Council teaches that the sacred liturgy is above all things the worship of the Divine Majesty. God calls us to Himself, and we want to respond to that call with sacred worship. Apart from illness, for example, the Church teaches that the faithful are obliged to participate in the celebration of the sacred liturgy on all Sundays and holy days of obligation. This is a grave obligation, in fact, and to willfully neglect it can cause one to commit mortal sin. In fact, every Sunday is a holy day of obligation. The Code of Canon Law states clearly that Sunday, on which by apostolic tradition the Paschal Mystery is celebrated, is to be observed in the universal church as the primary holy day of obligation. Other examples of holy days of obligation, apart from Sunday itself, include the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, on January 1st, the Assumption of Mary on August 15th, and the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin on December 8th. While there are other holy days of obligation established throughout the world, such as the Ascension of Our Lord and the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, National Bishops' Conferences can dispense the faithful from the obligation for a just reason and even transfer a holy day to be observed on a Sunday. As faithful sons and daughters of the Church, then, friends, let us remember, too, that faithfully attending Mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation brings with it not only an observance of the Third Commandment, but also a faithful adherence to a formal precept of the Church as well. This is the crux of the matter. God bless you, and thanks for joining us. Whoa! Thanks for joining me here on The Doctor Is In, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Again, we are on a fabulous excursion the good news cruise they got all kinds of smart people on this cruise i uh, i kind of feel like the uh, well i'm the wheel of fortune and all these other people are jeopardy all right born with an innate personality if at a very young age and are raised by a different family now, the implication on this is that there is heavy genetic relationship between personalities. Uh, there is, but it's not as heavy as you think. There is some genetic component, but there are other factors like learning and experiences. Would your personality turn out different? It's a 101 principle in psychology that personality is very durable. If you're shy at age 20, you're probably going to be shy at age 50. If you're talkative at age 15, you're probably going to be talkative at 33. Personality is very durable. What changes is the morals, the virtue, the life views of that personality. So in answer to this question, your personality would turn out different in the sense that what did that family try to raise you with? If they raised you in the faith, and you are a person, for example, who has trip switch emotions, 
that you fire off quick. You get angry quick. But they raised you in the faith. So the faith tells you, you've got to learn how to control that. You've got to learn how to do something with that. All right. You're raised in another family who pretty much just yells and screams at everybody and no problem and we'll yell at you and a day later we'll forget that it even happened. So what, kid? Too bad. Well, then obviously your personality is going to be different even though your underlying innate wiring was trip switch. So you can either mitigate it or exacerbate it. Okay? Got that. Um, here, oh, By the way, here's one of the biggest things that happens when you convert. Asked a woman once, I said, what's the difference now between when you were not a Christian and you now are a Christian? Do people accuse you, and this is family members, family members didn't, didn't like her embracing of the faith. Do people accuse you of not being all that different? You say you're a Christian, but you still do some of these things. And she said this, what a great answer. Before I was a Christian, I was running toward sin. I'm a Christian now, and I'm running away from sin. Sin's always chasing you. It's always there. My Aunt Esther was 93 years old when she died. My Aunt Esther was the calmest, the sweetest, the easiest going individual I ever saw. If she would have been married today, she would have been divorced from this guy centuries ago. To show you my Aunt Esther's personality, she lived alone and she walked into her kitchen and there was a young man who had come in the door and was grabbing her purse from the kitchen table. She exploded. It's a family show. I'm going to be very hesitant to say this and I hope that EWTN doesn't edit it out. She said, Put that down, you dirty dog. That was it. Somebody was in her house <laughs> stealing her purse. Put that down, you dirty dog. She was capable of vile potty mouth every so often. <laughs> Alright, ladies, do not get upset at the woman who wrote this question. What do you do when your hubby redoes things You've already done. Now, by the way, I, I don't know what to make of this. Underneath the question is that it's reprinted a lot more neatly. I, <laughs> for example, rewash the entryway. I guess he wipes it and he rewashes it. He says, I missed the spot. But he rewashes the whole entryway. I don't want to waste my time if he's going to redo it. Well, here's the thing. One, does he do it better than you? So if he does it better than you, do a crap job doing it. Just go through it as quick as you can, and then he'll do it. It's a lot easier to get him to do this. I, I'm, my wife is here, and she'll tell you I am as helpless as it can be making sure she notices till she grabs it and then does it. I cooked a meal when we were dating for her and her mother. Mrs. Paul's fish sticks, <laughs> cashews, Susie Q's. 
I melted the spatula. I'm not making this up. Randy, Randy will attest to this. I melted the spatula and I set the dish towel on fire. <laughs> she has not permitted me to cook since. That's right. So what I would say here, ma'am, is, okay, if he's going to redo it, now here's, I'm breaking in my, I'm interrupting myself. Here's what you're doing. You're taking it personal. What I'm doing is not good enough for him. He's got to correct me. He's got to make it right. Don't take it personal. All right, maybe this guy's got some kind of compulsion to have it done a certain way. Good, take advantage of it. Don't spend so much time doing it right. Just do it as quickly as you can. And then you go to him and you say, I think I did it good enough that you won't have to redo it. That's all. A little provocation's good for a marriage. Break time there, Steve? 148-ish? Oh, okay, you guys got me going. Oh, I got the daughter said some things about the husband. Um, also, adult child, he was... I'm going to get rid... I can't get that one. Oh, this is a... Okay. Advice for multi-generations living in the same household. All right. Easiest piece of advice, this is for grandmas, the advice to a mother and a mother-in-law on her daughter or daughter-in-law's wedding day is good advice for grandmas when you have your children with their children living in your house. Sit up, shut up, and wear beige. <laughs> so... The discipline areas you really got to watch. I usually advise grandparents, if, if the kid is doing something to your house, or if they're heading up into your bedroom and getting into the bedroom drawers, okay, you have every right to stop them. You can do that. Or if they're taking the remote and they're flipping it up and down and they're throwing it to each other, you can stop them. You can do that. Anything that you think in your house that you want to put limits on, go ahead. And if your children get mad, what are you going to do? They're living there. On the other hand, if you're watching this four-year-old melt down fit and get his way every time and it just sticks in your throat because you're thinking, we didn't raise him that way. Where'd they get this stuff? What's this gentle parenting they're doing? You got to shut up. You can't say anything. All right, I'll ask a question of you mothers out there nodding your head. When you do say something, have you been rewarded with why, thank you. You know, I hadn't seen it that way. That's why you have the experience that I don't. And I want you to speak up anytime you see anything that we're doing that might be correctable. Love ya. Yeah, yeah. Although, my son did call us. I'm not making this up. My one son, he did call us. This was uh, probably about a year ago. Dad, can I ask you a question? It's about Rosie, Andrew. Now, Rosie was uh, his little daughter. She's three or four. He goes, yeah. Is this about what to do with her behavior? Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, Andrew. <laughs> wait, wait. Will you sign something? I want you to sign this, please. My attorney sends you the letter. Yeah, he was asking me my opinion. And I use that as a general rule of thumb. Your opinion's ask, okay. Give it. But you really got to stifle yourself in the house with the discipline issues. Now, only you know how extreme it has to get before you'll speak up. But in general, 
if they're not raising that kid discipline-wise like you would, you can't say, well, you're living in my house, so my rules rule uh, up to a point. But they are the parents. And by letting them into your house and whatever support you're giving them, you've, you have said, in effect, you're living here and I recognize you're the parents. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. This is Dr. Ray. I was going to say I'll be right back, but that's a dumb thing to say because where am I going to go? Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. The Church has a very high view of conscience. It's, I think it was St. John Henry Newman who called conscience the aboriginal vicar of Christ. The Catechism reads this way on conscience. The interior voice of a human being within whose heart the inner law of God is inscribed. Moral conscience is a judgment of practical reason about the moral quality of a human action. It moves a person at the appropriate moment to do good and to avoid evil. It offers some suggestions, uh, the Ten Commandments, the moral teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, the moral teachings of St. Paul. All of these things are used as a measure of how well we're doing. It is then up to the Catholic to take a look at the teaching of the Church and to see if, in fact, they are in proper communion. The idea that you can dispense with the objective moral teachings of the Church in favor of personalized conscience is lawless and anarchic. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Thank you for joining me here. This is the last segment of The Doctor Is In, Good Lord Permitting. We got some great stuff coming up. Father Joe Krupp, the man is a, first of all, I believe this, and he's going to be embarrassed wherever he is. He's a godly priest, but he is truly the funniest priest I have ever met in my whole life, by far. So he's coming up, his show's coming up. And uh, he, he's never asked me on his show, but uh, I'm not offended. <laughs> Pat called in, she says. Her two adult children like to call her up and complain about each other. Oh, nobody has that in here. She decided not to listen to this anymore. And if, if she were here, now she's not on the phone, she's just kind of going to go off the air. I would want to ask her, I'd say, what happened to make you decide this? Did you just get fed up with hearing it? Or did this happen? And this is, this is dangerous. So they complained to her, the two adult children. 
They go back to the sibling that they've been complaining about and they say this. I'm not the only one who thinks this. Mom does too. Citing witnesses. Don't ever do that. Because you see what happened to Pat? Now, the other kids probably both think mom thinks that about us. Even if, now here's the interesting thing, even if mom didn't say a word, one sibling's complaining. Mom doesn't say anything. She just sits and listens. The sibling interprets that as, well, she's not disagreeing with me. She's not trying to set me straight. Well, she must go along with me. That's mom. Mom doesn't want to say anything critical, but you know, when mom's quiet, she agrees with you. That's the way mom is. And so you can easily get pulled, cited as a character witness. That's rough. And by the way, don't do that to anybody else. Don't ever say to somebody else, I'm not the only one who thinks this. You know who else thinks this? The Pope. Pope (laughs) thinks this. And I can name five bishops to do too. Because I told them. What else we got, Steve? Oh, two minutes? All right. All right, see what we got here. You talk about how important discipline is. What about when you notice physical or verbal child abuse? Well, if it is actual physical abuse, then you're really in a ticklish situation because you may have to report somebody that you know dearly. It's a lot easier if they're not related to you. But the word abuse has been stretched. I have had grandparents tell me that a certain child is verbally abusing their, their grandchild. And when you explore it, you find out they were yelling at them. Or you find out that they lost their temper and raised their voice and maybe called a name. I suppose you could label that abuse. Because in our lexicon, abuse is now this wide. And you people can't see me at home, but I'm putting my hands out like somebody would brag about catching a fish six feet wide that is a minnow. Okay, so... Be careful when you use the word abuse. I've got a new book coming out and I talk about watch your language. And I talked about, as I talked yesterday, about toxic, about narcissistic, and the other one was abuse. Because abuse is starting to become something that we don't necessarily agree with because we think it's too tough or too harsh. I've seen many really good parents called abusive because somebody didn't agree with the fact that they left their 11-year-old in the corner for four minutes too long. Very true. I've had that happen. So, just be careful. Now, verbal abuse, again, define it. You got to know what it is. What are they they doing that you're calling verbal abuse? And if you're going to confront it, make sure you know how you're going to do this because it's probably not going to be accepted well and you got to be delicate. I got to run. Good news, cruise people. Thank you so very much. Applaud to let these people at home know you appreciated this. Right. Of course, you guys probably can't hear this because the microphone's aimed my way. Walk with God. In this case, swim with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.